Join us this week on Revenue Uncoded as Bill Griffin and Brian Preston discuss their thoughts on AI and where's it gonna go over the next 36 months because it's the next gold rush this week on Revenue Uncoded. Yeah, we're on. Hey, welcome to another episode of Revenue Uncoded. Coded, coded. Hey, Brian, so um, interesting week here, right? So we, we had on our last session, we had uh, Arthur Koenig talking about technology and it was very fascinating, serverless, cloud architecture, et cetera, et cetera, more containers, but a lot of AI stuff, right? A lot of AI. Yeah. A lot of AI stuff. and. And I think you know we had uh, um, you know a conversation at Bible uh, study the other night where we were discussing um, the impacts of AI and how it would impact tomorrow's workforce. So um, I think you know we don't necessarily have a specific topic for today, but I'd like to focus on the impact of technology on the workforce of today and tomorrow, right? And so. So we kind of talked about a lot of different things the other night. We'll see if we can recapture some of that energy here today. But, um, you know, let's start with, uh, and we're going to tie it back to telecom. We're going to talk about that. But it's also kind of a, a meta uh, discussion about just technology, right? So when we talked with Arthur, we talked about the software developer of tomorrow. And that person, as they work with um, technology and software development, you know, it's all about the parameters that they mm -hmm. put into this AI engine. We're going to talk about flavors of AI. And what it's been trained with, how much data, it, you know, and, and, the, and maybe there's filters. The background. Maybe there's some filters on that technology, right. on that AI. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And by the way, hey, let's go down that path for a second. Who owns all this AI and stuff? Well, that's that's one of the big topics of who actually owns it. We know Does anybody control it? And what about the legal issues with this? So, for example, if you're using AI for something and it makes a mistake and mm -hmm. causes something bad to happen, mm -hmm. who gets sued? Good question. Who do you go after? Well, I mean, so there's OpenAI, which I believe is owned by Microsoft, right? Uh, I believe. now, And I would think all of the, the larger players, Oracle and maybe SAP and Amazon, BM, everybody. That all of the guys I'm positive have, you know, AI initiatives and maybe they have their own AI engine that they want to drive. And as a silver haired technologist, right, I, I think about the cloud, right? And so the cloud was supposed to be this neutral thing, but you know, now there's an Oracle flavor of cloud and there's an Amazon flavor of cloud and there's a Google flavor of cloud. So so they all kind of, to me, become a little proprietary and with some of those that? things, right? Because they want you to you know, become encumbered to- Otherwise, who, who gets the money? Right, so it's, so it's really kind of the next generation of the OS and the databases is just the cloud architecture. And so now if we extrapolate things further with AI, you know, are, are we, are, is tomorrow's AI going to be filtered and biased by the vendor and the creator of that AI that you're using? I would think absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know how it would not wind up having those uh, certain tails within them that would cause it to 
go a little one way or the other way or not deal with something. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, and that brings up a lot of ethical issues and questions regarding the use of AI mm -hmm. in particular in certain industries and things like, well, is it really doing what you think it's doing or is it telling you something that you're just comfortable believing that it's true? Because we know, like, you know, in today's world, we have a lot of issues with uh, tons of information thrown at you at a massive speed. That fire hose of data and information that the average person is hit with each day has never existed before on the planet. I mean, there's just so much data coming at you. Now, when you have to make a decision of, of is that good data or bad data? Now, as older fossil type people, yes. yeah. we have a better historical reference on certain things. Not all of them, but on certain things, we've certainly, we've seen a few things that have happened and we, we can recognize that as, uh, I'll call that a level one BS bomb that goes off. Mm -hmm. And you can call that out when you see it. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the, the, the challenges of new implementations of technology, old processes, a new way, but it's still the same thing, but we've dressed it up a different way. It's, it's the pig with lipstick there you go. paradigm um, yeah. that you need to walk through as well. So back to that question of who controls what part of the, part of the allure of the AI is nobody controls it. You ask it and, it, and it's like this benevolent, wonderful thing that can answer yeah, any question yeah. that you throw at it. Mm -hmm. Why would I, why would I want to have to write all this code that's kind of boring to write mm -hmm. when, you know, and there's a million other, I mean, just, I don't want to, it'll test it for it and do it for me. So there, that right there brings up a entire segment of technology and computer science and programming. So, uh, jobs that are at somewhat of risk. I would think so, right? And we, and we were talking about this the other night is, you know, that that software developer, you know, somebody who's in tech school, right, university right now, that's, you know, learning all these languages and all this database stuff. You know, what's really going to probably happen, right, is, is that tomorrow's developer needs to be Kind of that in, um, that that feed correctly the parameters into the open AI or the AI rather and whatever vendor AI vendor is, yeah. and then the company then to come it back and make sure that it's correct and filter it and then well, apply it to the business situation. But you just you just said something to me that's absolutely critical. You need to be able to decide if it's correct or not. If you don't know how to do it yourself, how would you know if it's correct? You don't. You don't. So so where does that leave you on the next steps with this? If you no longer have an oversight ability to to check, is this correct or not correct? Mm -hmm. We have a, 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 a methodology, a business methodology, for example. We expect steps one, two, three, and four lead me to X, Y, Z conclusion. Mm -hmm. Well, now I just say, give me the conclusion. I don't know how I got there. Is that even the right conclusion? Who came up with the idea of this conclusion? Mm. I want to make something up and, and give me this, mm. give me that. Well, normally in the business world, you would have had to have a plan. You would have worked through the steps. You would have then figured out, am I on target, not on target? Now, can AI leverage You're outsourcing your, you're outsourcing. You're outsourcing your brain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So why do you need people on that as this as this gets bigger and bigger? So what? Who does the oversight then? 
That's a good question. I mean, and, and in our last conversation with Arthur, I said, well, that to me says software should, prices should go down, right, because of the automation. But, but, but let's talk about this for a second. So, so what I start thinking about is things like security, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I've got a good friend of mine who works in the insurance industry, and they're dealing with, um, you know, cyber attacks. And, you know, their practice is going just insanely off, you know, in terms of growth and opportunities, right, with all the bad guys that are doing these cyber attacks because of holes and whatever. Open AI, or I'm sorry, I keep saying open AI. Let me say AI. It kind of seems like there's still gaps. There's opportunities for... It's, it's just now getting to for fraud. We call a little bit of a mainstream. So let's say, let's say you wanted to take take a look at that from. I'm not a security expert, mm-hmm. but I'm old enough to have seen a few things here and there. Mm-hmm. When you want to screw with someone else at a at a uh, at a state level at a country level, mm-hmm. one of the big things that is done today are cyber attacks, mm-hmm. both financial. Information right for the money, man. You just it, it, you cause as much disruption as you can. Mm-hmm. Well, now we just talked about something that nobody really knows exactly how it works, and so does that mean when you know who's going to raise their hand that says they need to be in charge of it all? The government, our friends in the government, because uh, tax everything that work with the lowest bidder, mm-hmm. uh, and they'll be in charge of something that they can't even spell, even though it's just AI. Correct. So not that not that all people in the government, I don't mean to so, slam so on that, has, but that that scares who, me. Who has the liability for what is generated out of AI tools? It hasn't gone to the, court yet. Is it the owner, right? All right, so, oh, so, if, all right, so we're on the early stages of this, right? So so whether it's a security issue, yeah. right? Or there's legal issues, right, associated with it. Um, you know, whether or not, you know, these tools are biased by vendor, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or by the developers or whoever, or whoever, whoever invented it, right? it. So all of these dynamics, and when you apply them to a corporate enterprise world, right, that kind of creates liabilities and all sorts of risk and dollars associated with it. But then you've also got, you know, security, national security elements, yeah. right? So, you know, defense systems and, you know, should defense systems be using AI? Well, that's why I'm going to go back to the Terminator uh, no, I think I think we've seen that's bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, overall, based on that movie, so, but yeah, but but that's a huge risk right there. What? How how do you manage that going forward with your defense assets? So example? so if I'm a t- and you know, we're always going to tie back to telecom, right? Telecom mm-hmm. is our bread and butter, and it's a big part of what we do, and it's our greatest um, industry of association. Yeah, but it's really universal, and to me, everybody is saying, here's this gold rush, here's this land rush, to automate and leverage this fantastic tool, but it's still the early stages and all of these unknown variables and risk elements, you know, could have massive tails, right? So what's you so what's your level of investment on AI if you are a telecom software vendor or if you're a telecom operator, right? Do you do you take a staged baby step approach or do you just jump into the pool? Well, I think by using it, you step into part of that pool no matter what, i.e. there could be some liability there depending on what you're using it for. Mm-hmm. And in our industries, we've we've identified that we know 
the CRM, the ticketing systems, customer the service, customer service mm-hmm. uh, being able to knock monitoring, all sorts of things uh, where you have kind of those, once again, we're going to go back to those defined processes mm-hmm. that we have an expectation of how this should work. And what we're doing is providing at levels of efficiency with that AI instead of having to do it uh, at a rote, more rote level. We, we're going to use something that's interpretive, that that takes different parameters into account. What's the best, the person asked XYZ question. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to talk about A, B, and C. You mean like he wants cu- XYZ. You mean the customer calling into the telecom yes, they, They've got a question. Or marketing-wise, you're going to go, well, our demographics are showing that people are interested mm-hmm. in this, where's, that, or where's, not this. Where's the best place to build this broadband fiber that's going to have the greatest return on asset? You know, for the next ten years. And let's ask it. Let's let's ask for uh, geostability of the areas we're going to put our towers up. Mm-hmm. We're going to do. You know, you have, so you've got a lot of different information that's available to you now that you can get quicker than you used to be. Where you have to go out and hire site surveys, et cetera. Consultants you know, and what other people. A way that that's that efficiency. I think that we're all hoping we get out of the AI model, but. The next thing comes up is what so, if something so, bad happens? Well, well, let me. All right. So this is what triggered my thought. Maybe you use AI for modeling, right? You use it as a minimum of a modeling tool for the what if, what you know, where should I go? How should I do it? And and you use it that, but but it's still so early in the adoption of the technology with all these risk elements that we talked about. Maybe you don't put it into production systems yet. Yeah, but you know, as soon as somebody figures they can save a couple of bucks by using this over hiring and having some people do it that cost them more, mm-hmm. they get sick and they don't show up, or you got to pay health care for, or what have you, mm-hmm. that that drive for cost savings mm-hmm. is going to push that out there pretty quick. I don't, I, I just so, don't see it not so happening in, that way. So in my mind, I'm thinking about a customer that has you know, trouble ticketing system, uh-huh. right? And they're saying I've got an issue with this and that, right? So level level one or level two support that most software vendors provide. You know, those people may inevitably be replaced by the customer of the software saying, I need this problem addressed. I need this challenge addressed, you know, based on my configuration of that software. And that's interesting. I wish we had Arthur here to talk, weigh in on that piece because we kind of talked on that on the last one. But I, I, I'll jump over a little bit to what you said earlier, which is the gold rush mentality. So you've got... Mm-hmm. So in the you know if we look at that from a historical standpoint, whenever there's been a um, uh, a watershed moment, whether it's the industrial revolution, whether you've got or client or, server uh, mainframe going to client server, and I don't think I, those, going those were just efficiency levels, I would say. But this is this is a, this is a whole other level. level. It's, it is exponentially made lost. Risk. Just think of the people that packed up when when the, when the land grabs were going on, mm-hmm. uh, and and people were you know we're in Kansas, so we've got all the trails came out of the the trailheads here in Kansas City, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Oregon trails, the Santa Fe Trail, all, all this stuff is everywhere. Kansas history, ladies and, and gentlemen. You can't, you can't miss it. But all those people took off without any expectation of you know, hopes and dreams, but no expectations that it's guaranteed it's going to work for them. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of graves on the side of those trails, uh, things that didn't didn't turn out. But people made fortunes off of selling in the gold rush, for example, the, shovel. the shovels. Right. Other people, and then other people went in and made a fortune out of 
stealing other people's claims when they found the gold. Good point. History repeats itself. There, there wasn't, we'll go to the legal thing, there wasn't a lot of law enforcement in a lot of these gold rush areas. And that's so, what we're dealing with right now. So you're going to have the same parameters here mm -hmm. where... The bad guys are going to figure out a way to steal money. The scammers are always first. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's they they just are because it's and the guys and the guys that are going to be selling you the latest technology tool to supplement your AI stream, they're just going to sit there and just go like this and salivate and make tons of money. Right. That's the that's the analogy to the shovel. Yep. Right. And but the other night that you at the Bible study, you discussed, uh, you know, we were talking about the time frame for this stuff. And I was thinking like 10, 15 years, and you're like, no, brother. No. The next three years, Eight, the adoption rate months is going are going to be nuts. insane. Yeah, it's, right? it's happening right now mm -hmm. at that flywheel of uptake of this and the speed that it's rolling mm -hmm. is picking up speed. And it's going down a very steep hill, gathering, gathering energy. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the uh, some of these things, this is that gold rush. Everybody's you know hopping on their wagons, taking off on the unknown trails, and it's going to be littered with uh, fortunes made, <laughs> fortunes lost. Well, I mean, uh, uh, I'll take it one step further, right? As somebody who might be keeping an eye on their four hundred one k at my age, right? And you look at Microsoft, and you look at Oracle, and you look at Google, and the and and the influence that those heavy stocks have on the overall stock market. Right. Yep. Their approach, their strategy for AI is really probably what could drive a lot of the market success over the next couple, three, four years. Yeah. Right. I mean, do you think that's a little much? Do you think it's a little overboard? I don't know. You think we're going overboard with this? Because inevitably, we've always talked at all of, every, all of our sessions, we've talked about legacy and the new. Right. So you still have a wing walking exercise of how do I deal with all the legacy systems that has to kind of run and you, you, you just can't kind of do a, a flash cut of all of these enterprise systems that are based on the architectures that we live with today or to AI. That's not going to happen. that architecture would look like that, that goes back to our previous conversation we were with talking Arthur. about earlier. Hmm? So what is the architecture when you implement it in there? Who owns that architecture now? You just ask and set some parameters in and ask for something to, to be done. Like if you want to write some code, give me a, you know, a Perl script that does X, Y, Z and the thing, whatever. Okay. I thought of what it should be doing and asked those questions. But as it becomes more enabled to continue to evaluate the things that aren't working internally, you, there's no human interaction anymore. But who, so who controls how? That gets learned on its own. So that's that. That's the whole idea. Like, you know, when people say, "Is it is it become self aware or sentient mm -hmm. that it that it understands X, Y, and Z that it's not it understands what it's not working right means, mm -hmm. or I can improve it. Well, maybe I don't know. I'm not an expert on the on the tuning of right. AI, but you you hear certain smart people talking about those things, mm -hmm. and and that there's a somewhat of a risk of sliding down this hill a little too fast. So let's just focus in on what we would do in our telecom practices. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to, we, we know you can get some benefits out of it from the customer care, CRM, self-care, okay. all that kind of stuff. Which, that, which is sad because that's going to translate into a lot of lost jobs. 
You know, there's a lot of people that are rank and file that are just great people that do tremendous jobs that inevitably are going to be replaced by AI. And it's another industrial revolution, but it's a technology one. Same with robotics or things like that. So the, the, the ability if go to, the, to the next stage, and I don't want to switch too many gears here uh, at this point, but we do want to talk about, you know, what does that workforce look like yeah. 36 months from now? Uh, in, in these things because of the the dynamics and the changes. Mm-hmm. You as a service provider, for example, what would you be doing to leverage the best, minimize the risk um, of adopting the AI, mm-hmm. uh, saving your money? Could it, you, know, you want your ROI to go up? You want your, your ARPU to go up? All of these items for the, you know, you're following the money. So if it's more efficient, the they're going to go there. It's, it, you have to go. Just like offshore. You have to go. Just like if you offshore. Go. Inevitably, you'll be forced to kind of, you know, in today's world, you deal with offshore development. So, and by the way, well, I, I, away. I would just gonna say the same thing, is that I believe AI will have a significant impact on offshore development. Just development in general. I, and I'm, I'm going to go back to my argument regarding who are the architects do you still have humans as architects within these things? There, I think you. you I think you the have, answer is going to be have to. for the most part, yes. You have to have a check and balance. You you cannot uh, let the machines just run everything. Well, but you but you get to the point where the machine's doing things you don't know that it did. You got the result you wanted, but you don't know exactly that there's something else that took place there. Not nefarious or anything, but maybe some steps that that are that it's doing. That will have offshoots or implications or ripples in the mm-hmm. in the pond here that you you're not going to know about. So how do you triage and figure out what that is? How do you decide that it does what you wanted it to do? First of all, you need to know what you want what you want it to do, mm-hmm. and then you need a way to measure that. So it's, let's talk about audits for a second in our industry. Oof. We're going to like comp- security or security data compliance. All of these different items, transactions, transa- everything. So, you know, depending on what kind of audit you're doing, mm-hmm. or what you're doing for compliance, or making, or you're just doing it for your own financial, for your own due diligence, where you're making sure: do I have my best life cycle processes in place? Am I managing my processes well mm-hmm. on security, on data, on backups? So, you know, all these different items. So today, there's certain forms and processes you go through that meets certain criteria tests for you to be in compliance. Mm-hmm. What happens if you hand that off to AI? Who measures that? How does that get done? There, inevitably, I see government jumping in and trying oh, to that, control. That would be an trying absolute to, disaster. Well, I, well, it, it could be good and it could be bad, right? It, it can, well, I'm going to bet on, you on, $500 right now that it's bad. Well, I mean, I mean, if you squelch, you know, you put a blanket on top of something, sometimes in the better interest of safety or security or, or bankruptcy or bank runs or whatever, right? So, it, But that doesn't interfere with the day-to-day work. That's that's a safety valve. But at the, right? same, at the same time, you want the capitalism to kind of thrive and kind of, you know, t- innovation and technology. I just, I, I'm leery of too much oversight, but at the same time, I'm screaming that we need to have oversight here. Exactly. You know, so it's a double-edged sword. It is a double-edged sword. I recognize that, but I don't like the idea of capitalism being reined in by oversight, excessive oversight, oversight 
That is excessive. Uh, you know, I mean, it's inevitably you lose innovation. Always inevitably you lose innovation when yeah. that happens, right? And as, and as the, the history has shown us that the regulations that get generated become more onerous and cantankerous over time. And in the telecom industry, we kind of flash back to the breakup of Ma Bell and to the regional Bell yep. operating companies. You know, and then that the was the electric explosion. People. You know, we had the C-Lex, right? But it opened and up the implosion of the Celex yeah. and the consolidation of the Celex went from 700 down to about 15 yeah. in about four years, right? So very it, disruptive. Yeah, I mean, it, this is a fascinating topic, and and when we think about uh, when I think about the workforce, I'm wondering: Are universities teaching AI? Do they have classes yeah. in AI? Do they have you the take it, I applied guess. AI That's into the question. business world? I mean, I I, I know. My kids have been in college recently, and they did get some AI training. Did they? Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, but at a high level, I think I think each year you you know as you move down the calendar here, and you're a freshman next year, you're probably going to get you know it's kind of a logarithmic move up the ladder here for for how much that's going to jump into your university world or your training world. Yep. But then again, historically. New technology adoption and training in most, in a lot of academic areas, sometimes either is at the forefront or it lags way behind just True. because that's just, just the nature of the beast. Mm -hmm. But that's certainly, certainly for people that are in the technology industries and the data processing and computers, you, you, need, to, you need some background on that for sure. I'm thinking about AI technology creating university programs itself right yeah ai teaching ai well and that's that's an, it's, it's skynet it's all over it's all over the place it's all over no but that, but it's but it's so true because you've got a lot of unknowns at this point because of the the power and flexibility that is allegedly going to be at our fingertips and just if you've played with it or done some of this stuff so far you're like it's amazing what you can get out of just asking it, the AI engines. It is, it is amazing, and we're start, and we're just scratching the surface, yeah. right? And 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 I agree with you wholeheartedly. There is going to be a gold rush, and I think the three-year planning horizon is also accurate. It is going to be exponential. Yeah, you know the adoption rate as it applies to different industries and different verticals. Um, you know, it's kind of a to be determined. Yeah, when they all have different conditions that would impact that speed of uptake with it, for example, I mean, like some places not little, not little fast. Little telecom input. You know, remember, I always talked about the cable guys kind of running with the herd and being slow to innovate mm -hmm. unless they have competitive pressure. Whereas the mobile guys are all about, hey, we got to do this. The next, right, that's the next so thing. So within our own industry, I would kind of see the cable guys continuing to kind of. Be that slow-moving herd, whereas the mobile guys are probably going to leverage it first over the cable guys. That's just a guess. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but if history is an indicator, that it w it will happen the same way. Yeah, uh, but uh, we'll I I would not I would not bet against that. Yeah. I think that's probably reasonably reasonably well thought out on that argument for that use of it. So so these um. All right, so we talked about a lot of different things. We talked about workforce, the impact. Um, we, at, at the Bible meeting the other night, we were talking about, well, tomorrow's workforce 
you know, there's there's probably a little more need to kind of focus on tangible skills that will create your salary, right? Everything from an electrician to a butcher to, uh, you know, so you may see an uplift in some of those trade schools, trade schools or blue collar. Everything micro. Those those may become more valuable, right? Than a lot of, you know, certainly the liberal arts or kind of the other ones, but, but a lot of the rank and file IT folks, right? Network administrators slash, um, you know, software developers, you know, they're going to have to up their game, right? They're going to have to be more interpretive of, of what they feed into the AI and what they receive back and how they filter it and how they deploy it, right? And so then I can kind of see all sort of cottage industries start to pop up about what's the best way to deploy AI in a safe framework, right? And, you know, within some sort of process, I would think if I mean, more, more challenge for today's CIO, right? I mean, in our previous episodes, we talked about the, the, the balancing act between going legacy and over into best of breed new generation. Now you've got this AI element and how that, how do I, how do I deal with that now? Right. Then how, do I, how do I incorporate that into my and, and placate the, the, the demand for incremental business shape? I think you need to be investing some time in coin of the realm uh, in that strategy of how you're going to implement AI within your shop, within your business, because the, the answers aren't. It'll be interesting to see eight, you know, 12 months from now, revisit this topic. Listen to what we just said. Yeah, like, we'll be. Oh my God, what an idiot! Yeah. Or uh, well, I'm the amazing Kruskin. Oh God, I'm the amazing Kruskin. Uh, you know, but the but the because it's it's such a dynamic and disruptive technology at this point. How you use this in your business is unclear, and you need to try a few things, and you need to make sure. Does this really fit in there? Do I really understand what I could do with it? I'm going to go back to my architecture comment before, which is, what am I trying to do? That's my goal. And number two is, how would I get AI to help me get to that goal faster and cheaper? And those are the questions that, you know, as you as you kind of juxtaposition the two things, here's the traditional way I would do approach this, mm-hmm. solving a problem or bringing something up to speed with my business or... Well, what if, what is it that I can leverage out of this new technology, out of AI, for example, to jumpstart this or do it in a completely different manner? Because there may be some things that I just can't get out of my old brain on how I how I think about the steps I would go through versus somebody else goes, well, why are you even talking about that? All you could do is do this. And dang, here you are. Dang. Yeah, man, I'm, that's a trade-off. I, and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about you know, well, cloud adaptation. Right, the first uses of cloud adaptation were more B to C, right? You know, here's my uh, my storage for my photos or my music or whatever, right? You know, but you know, and B to B wasn't necessarily there, right? So, so the so the B to C applications, I would think, might be more AI centric adoption over the next few years, and I would think the B to B of the enterprise applications of AI might be a few might be behind the B2C. What do, what do you think? I think it's I think it's probably the other way around. Really? 
Yeah, because I think because you're going to save a lot of money on the B2B side when you go to cloud native, when you are, when you're, your enterprise infrastructure is that all right, easily so managed. So that's mind blown. All right, so well, that's right. one, that's one item. All right. The, then on the B2C side of that, You've got you've got another level of marketing and sales and things that go in on that consumer side of it mm-hmm. that that has a that has a different set of consumption parameters to it of what they're going to buy sell and do with you what you know where they're going to spend their money when I'm doing B two B I want efficiency between my other vendors and my partners mm-hmm. I want to reduce my operating expenses mm-hmm. I want to be efficient I want to be able to fail fast. I want to be able to try new things out quickly with my infrastructure. I don't want to be tied to legacy hardware and networking, for example, when I can use a newer technology. If I want to be able to migrate, my next time I migrate to a new architecture, if you will, for my network, Mm -hmm. it's no longer as much of a physical endeavor as it is I'm I'm adding new software components to it. All right, so I just had another, man. I can be wrong. No, 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 no. Right now, I'm thinking about the cohabitation of native cloud architecture. And now, is AI going to jump into the cloud? Is 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 it's already part of it? It's already part of it. Damn. Damn it. In in versions of it. I mean, the, between the virtualization, I guess I don't want to confuse the terms there, um, but that that AI of being able to just send some parameters and spin up an entire mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. infrastructure from a technology standpoint is is like getting closer and closer. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm having a little flashback. All right, 1986, Bill Griffin goes out and gets his MBA, gets out of college, you know, at an absolute awful time to get out of college and go find <laughs> well a job. Well played, well played. So I, I ended up... I ended up going, oh, man, you know, I don't, I'll go get a master's. And so then I got a job in Chicago with Xerox, right? And I'm knocking door to door with selling Xerox copiers. But AI actually had a huge start with Xerox technologies. So the AI of yesteryear started with these big, huge, massive copiers being able to kind of predictively anticipate a service call on the high volume copiers. So that is really where AI started. We're back in the 1980s, believe it or not. AI or good parameter detection? Well, I don't know. But, but now fast forward is that then they all started talking about the paperless office in the in the mid-80s. And being, now you know, well, that's going to happen, right? Hey, you so, virtual office. Yeah, you're right. God, man, that's scary. But the paperless office didn't really happen for another 15 years. And it still doesn't happen because there's still people that will print everything that comes out, every meme they get, <laughs> every everything that they've shopped on on the internet they print out. But I'm not talking about my own house. Yeah, and, but but the adaption rate is 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 you know, continues to kind of get shorter and shorter and shorter, and the speed, and the innovation, um, and uh, yeah, the office of tomorrow. And we were talking about that. That's another variable, right? Is with everybody now going home, going home, and working remote. Right, and that interaction being digital goes right? back to. I'll throw out one more time. How do you come up with the enterprise architecture you want to implement when the people don't even get together much anymore? 
you're going to hand it off to some computer and hope that it does the best for you. Mm-hmm. And you don't really have a good way of figuring out whether it did a good job or not. That's right. That's putting more and more and more reliance on the machine and technology and less and less and less on the human being. You know, you can you can have diagnostic tools. You can have, you know, there's that, that talk about the guy that uh, goes in and has got something wrong with his water heater or, or his heating system. And mm-hmm. they call the guy, comes in, and he stands around for a minute, takes his hammer out, smacks it on one pipe, and all of a sudden everything turns back on. And he goes, that'll be $900. And they go, oh, that's outrageous. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's 10 bucks for the hammer, but it's uh, $890 to know where to hit it. <laughs> Boom. There sure. you go. So I don't know. I don't know hammer has come into play. I don't know where that comes along in the, in the long term on this. But to me, I, I see serious workforce implications there. And I think everybody else does as well. Massive. Uh, but... If you're not in the office, you're not having those planning sessions the way you had before. Maybe they'll get better. Maybe part of that is just because I'm old. Yeah, maybe. And I, and I like to sit down and work with people on things you know, face-to-face. I think I've read where the number one, one of the number one concerns by most CEOs is was whether or not remote working is the right play or not. Right? I, I and, just— And I, do that. Are they concerned about productivity or— you know, Work is work. Home is home. That's just me, but, I, you know— Hey, I, 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 well, let's, hold. let's do this. So let's, let, let's, let's kind of, kind of summarize a few things here. Let's right? do our, our Kreskins and figure out what the, yeah, let's, we're, it, yeah, I'm down with that. All right. So, um, first impact to jobs in the telecom space with AI support pe- personnel, I would think. I'm going to go with that. Would be, that would be my thought. CSRs. Yeah, because of the, uh, you know, when we were talking with uh, Carlos and Alvaro uh, a few sessions ago regarding those contact centers and the CRM centers, mm-hmm. and that being able to use that those predictive models based on certain questions that the customer may be entering or mm-hmm. fully, you know, even if it's uh, non-structured data or they just they just talked in, you can do voice to text. Mm-hmm. Use the, I mean, you didn't you didn't talk to a person at all. Those online AI chat bots. Mm-hmm used all the time. I mean, it's already, that uptake's already there. All right. All right. So here's the next one. Over under on the number of months before there's a massive news story about a security breach or something that is broken, all right, because of uh, bad guys and a- and use of AI. Well, but what if the AI already knows not to rat itself out? <laughs> Now that's funny. But who's in charge of that? Oh, there you go. <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Fifteen months. I'm gonna say fifteen months from June of 2023. There will be some sort of massive uh, news story of people either being impacted from a safety or from a fin- financial perspective because of AI gone wrong. Fifteen months. I'm gonna go fifteen months. I'm gonna go for yeah. Tough. It's the, it's the definition of what is active AI at that point. I'm a, I'm gonna go on the over. Gonna go over. I'm gonna go over. All right. Well, that implies a slower adoption rate of of At, AI because into I'm, the mainstream I'm of what I, we're talking about. I'm I'm I don't know how in depth it is in the financial markets yet. You can certainly do stuff with. 
code, but I don't think everybody's automated on their code deployments from AI generated stuff. So, All right. so I'm, I'm going to right. go on the over because I'm hoping people are more cautious. That may just be mm -hmm. me being hopeful. All right, so here's the next one. All right. Will there be proprietary AI where it's kind of coming from a vendor? And, uh, you know, I, I, I hate to say big company names. But maybe there may be, I would think that would be limited focus AI that maybe is specific for, so let's say you had medical AI, for example, mm -hmm. and it, and it does certain tasks like, you know, the gallbladder removal with the little robotics and the other things like that. How much AI is, I don't, I don't know. But to me, those would be focused areas where you would leverage that decision-making and the analytics available with the AI to take all those different parameters into account. And it's been trained, it's, it's done this enough times that it has a, you have a very high degree of confidence in whatever that recommendation or task is or whatever, whatever the deliverable is that comes out of the AI. Mm -hmm. So the, to me, that's part of the gold rush because if you are, if you're able to provide and it's not, you know, you call it proprietary, I understand what you're saying. It's a, it's a focused deliverable out of AI that meets a particular set of goals. All right. And it has an, it has a shell around it that, that limits its exposure to other things. So which should limit you to your liability exposure for other things going crazy. Like, Hey, I, I wanted to turn my furnace up with my AI and it emptied my bank account. How'd that happen? Mm -hmm. well, I don't know. It just did. So, but if it's just the AI working with your HVAC system mm -hmm. and monitoring your smart home, mm -hmm. making decisions and things for you, mm -hmm. it's limited. All right. All right. So next one, will there be an open AI standards forum? Just like in telecom, we've got TM forum, good people, and they kind of work toward a lot of good and things. Will there be a global AI standards association to do what? From a, from an ethics standpoint, from a security standpoint, maybe all the, all, all the, above. the above, all the above, right? Because inevitably, so because I'm thinking about the federal, I'm thinking about federal involvement or government intervention if things start That's getting out of control. Question, because you know we we kind of talked about the whole gold rush mentality of this is going to go, it's going to be the wild west. Mm -hmm. And for those of you not in the U.S., the wild west was wild. <laughs> uh, so they're a little a little short on. Uh, on, on law and order in certain areas. Mm -hmm. um, so let's do it. Will there be an AI standards organization? But I, well, I mean, when you say standards, it's like if you had standards for like uh, in the technology for data feeds and things or, uh, you know, from technology standpoint, from network protocols and architectures and things, AI, AI just used that standard and, and eats it. You've already, you've already educated me on the filters, right? When you query something um, into an AI engine that are probably more commercial you know, available on mm -hmm. Google or whatever, you know, there, there are things you cannot ask it and it will not get yeah, an answer. Right? Right. Well, that's a filter, right? Yeah. So that's a, so, but that is the owners of that search engine saying we're going to, 
put these parameters. That's today, but as it gets smarter, it may filter its own stuff based on what parameters it was told to generate filters. Mm -hmm. And once again, you go back to, so well, and, who, knows, who knows how it works? And in my opinion, it, it, inevitably, if there's a catastrophic event, right, whether it's the loss of life or the loss of a lot of money or, you know, some sort of massive fraud or theft, inevitably that is where somebody is going to say we have to put some parameters and or controls around it, right? So that'll, yeah. so that's why I asked the kind of the leading question. You know, but how do you put controls around something you don't know how it works? Mind blown. I don't know. I know that's what I mean. So that's why uh, mm -hmm. the only thing that my brain can, can assimilate at this process at this moment with this, uh, based on what we've seen so far or I've seen so far, yeah. is the the focused AI deliverables, specific industries, specific things. We're talking about customer care. All the, you, you know, you've got a you've got an architectural box that mm -hmm. these are the services we wish to be able to provide to our customers. Mm -hmm. I can manage that. I can put a I can put a box around that. So, do you have a full standard? Or are you going to have standards? that get defined for all of our industries and interactions with AI. I would think you're gonna to have to have something. There'll be something. What that is, I don't really know. And so a, probably you just ask the AI to do it itself. Shut up. <laughs> so, so, and then, and when we talked about the you know, adaption, whether it's B2C first or B2B, you know, and if you're today's CIO, I would imagine almost every CIO of any uh, organization of size you know, has some sort of initiative, right? Has some sort of evaluation. And I think, I think the bottom line is that they are going to take, um, you know, a cautious but um, zealous evaluation of the technology and how, it, you know, and they're, they're, I'm sure they've already identified what are the, what, what project, a trial project of AI we're going to look at in the next 12 months. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's, already well entrenched within the, the CSR and the yeah. order taking e and e chat and chat and all, all that kind of all stuff. All those kind of things. So so you know, but to me that's a that's a um, a model that fits it serves the deliverables that the people are, are looking to get. It's not making mm -hmm. uh, leading suggestions yeah. per se. Uh, but it, it, it's evaluating and bringing yep. up the best solutions based on all the parameters it gets from the customer. Yeah, and then we talked about, and we we talked about the you know, the the technologist of tomorrow, yeah. right? And and that shift, right? And a there's probably going to be less of them. B is that their job requirements are going to be more about the feed and the interpretation, and then the implementation of those results that come out of AI. Right. And, and kind of making sure that the controls are there. So so we've talked about that. Um, man, a lot of good stuff here, you Mr. You need AI sheriffs after that because you really, how do you grade? Got it, another results? corporate department, the AI. How do you? The, AI, the preparation of AI. That's a, well, but you're going to have some other departments that go away, so it's a wash. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but your, your ability to um, be confident in... When, as the AI adoption rate and, and penetration within your organization gets deeper and deeper and deeper, mm -hmm. that 
that scariness of well, what did it really just do? And he's a steward. You need somebody to keep an eye on. Well, and is that something a person can do? Well, you can't outsource AI to another AI. Well, or maybe you could. Maybe there's a check and balance between multiple AI vendors. Well, that goes, but that goes, that goes back to that you've got to have, there has to be some scoping guardrails around mm-hmm. uh, these implementations. And you have to have a way to audit it. That's the next big thing of money. It's to make money on how to audit the AI. Auditors got to be located in. Well, hey, man, interesting conversation, Mr. Preston, mm-hmm. as always. Well, and uh, you got anything else you want to throw in there? I want to. I want to go and think one second here. For do we want to have any Crescans? I think we kind of, you know, what? What? Any Crescans? Our prognostications. What's it going to look like? We kind of covered most of that. Well, a little bit, right? But but I I I stand by. When will there be the first public disaster? Yes, disaster. Are, right? Whether whether that's life, money. It's the um, AI journey, defense, whatever that, whatever it is, whatever it is. Inevitably, when that happens, people are going to go, "Wow, we've got to put some parameters or controls around this thing." Yeah, because it does raise some interesting questions. This thing, like you know, just we had with uh, uh, bitcoins and uh, uh, cryptocurrency, all that kind of stuff. You know, the, there were some scammers that were in the middle of that, so it, it had some. There's some challenges with that, and there were a couple of well. Um, known instances of, uh, we'll call it shenanigans. Shenanigans. You're going to call it shenanigans. So I'm going to call it shenanigans. Full out shenanigans? Full, it was full out shenanigans. Full out shenanigans. Yes. Hey, man, I don't know if I got anything else, brother. Um, as always, Mr. Preston, Excellent. enjoy talking to you. Um, interesting uh, conversation here today on Revenue Uncoded. Not in those, we tried to tie in a lot of uh, telecom elements into it, um, a lot of unknowns on this great gold rush that is AI, but um, it's going to be a crazy next three years. I think and everybody more. is definitely going to be taking a look at that on how to how to leverage it. And thank and God, thank God, you and I are here to provide some insights and advice and a conversation. And then what'll be funny is twelve months from now to go, oh my God, we were right, or we were right. Good Lord, we had no clue that that was going to be that forever. way. But thank God it's been recorded here on another session of Revenue Uncoded. Coded, coded. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye. Bye.